Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. 1 Peter chapter 4. In the New Living Translation, it says this. God has given each of you a gift. Say, oh. Anyway, he's, he's given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. I love this. Use them well. Use them well to serve one another. Verse 11 says, do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just pray that you would, Lord, help me to take that verse to heart today. Lord, I do. I'm serious about the calling that you've placed in my life. You have called me to speak, and I do want to speak today as if it's your voice speaking through mine. God, I pray it's your words, it's your thoughts, it's your passion, it's your heart, it's your motive. And God, I pray that it's for your honor and for your glory as you speak to your people and and set us free and call us higher. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we started last week a brand new series entitled Called for a Purpose. Called for a Purpose. It's really founded on the premise that there is a difference in function and purpose. There's a difference in function and purpose. So, so many people in the American church have, have not, and Robbie, I've got a ring somewhere, brother. It's not on my finger, if you can help me. Um, so many people in the American church don't seem to be able to find or fulfill their calling. Uh, much of that frustration comes from the fact that we are focused too much on the what, on the what, on the function. We, we rarely step back to see the why, because when we understand the purposes of God, we'll be able to see much more easily, much more readily, the functions that align with those purposes. We're called for a purpose, not just for a function. All right. So today I want to talk about one particular area that's very much affected by this whole conversation of, of function versus purpose. This the hyper-function, uh, a hyper-focus we have on function in the area of gifting. I want to talk about gifting today. The verse we just read said that every one of you has a gift that God has given to you and he wants you to use your gift well. He wants you to use it well. And so so today's message, in order to use it well, we have to know what the purpose is of the gift. And so today's message is the purpose of giftings, the purpose of giftings. Okay, Uh, If you've been around the church for uh, very long, you know that a decade or two ago, uh, there began to be this focus on gifts in the church. Everybody was talking about it. Spiritual gifts, natural gifts, grace gifts, who's got what, what were you created to do, all of that stuff. And, I, and, and it's not a bad thing. I think it probably started from a good place, and it has its place. But like most other things, 
even, even good things can be taken to an unhealthy extreme, right? My mama used to say, you can get too much of a good thing. And that's exactly right. And I think we probably passed the unhealthy place years ago in this topic. As I told you last week, much of the church, the American church, is experiencing paralysis by analysis. Paralysis by analysis. We don't do anything because we're still studying it. We've turned finding and fulfilling God's calling into some seemingly endless lifelong pursuit of tests and inventories and profiles. We carve up the gifts. We analyze them. We quantify them. We categorize them. We separate them. We study them. And it's become sort of this self-sustaining vacuum, this vortex that draws us in. And the problem is that despite all of our learning, despite all of our understanding, we're not getting around to actually doing what God's called us to do. So it doesn't help if we understand the gifts if we never actually use the gifts. So God gave them to us to use. And, and according to the verse we just read, to use them well. All right? So it's not just for us to learn about them. We've got to unleash them, and that's what we're trying to do today. So we're going to dive into the Word and find out the purpose of the giftings. We're going to go to three passages of Scripture because if you're going to talk about gifts, you have to, talk, you have to go to these three passages. We're going to go to these three passages three times. All right? So 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12. We'll also go to Romans 12, and we'll go to Ephesians 4. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians chapter 4. Here's the first passage, 1 Corinthians 12. We'll start in verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. That's, I emphasize that for a reason. The source of these gifts is the Spirit. Verse 5. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's, it's the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. No exceptions. If you're breathing, you've got a gift. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. All right? Very important passage of Scripture. Let's go to Romans 12. See, see about some other gifts. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God's given you. Okay, and we'll read the rest of, those, of that verse in just a minute. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4. Let's find out some other gifts. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility, verse 12, is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Three things I want us to talk about based on three, these three passages of Scripture because people, people, what people claim makes these things different is actually what makes them the same. So I want to clear up some myths and hopefully free you from some religious grave clothes so that you can get busy uh, using the gifts that God's given you. First thing, let's look at the source of the gifts. Where do these things come from? The source of the gifts. In 1 Corinthians... We have what's commonly known as the gifts of the Spirit, right? Knowledge, wisdom, discerning of spirits, faith, healings, miracles, tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. 
right? Those are the gifts of the Spirit. They are divine enablings, nine of them. And Scripture is clear. They're given by the Spirit and at His sole discretion. He decides who and what and when. The source of those gifts is the Spirit. Are you with me? All right. Ephesians lists what's called the fivefold ministry gifts. They, they talks about apostle, prophet, evangelist, uh, pastor, and teacher. The fivefold ministry. According to, those, to that passage of Scripture, who gave those gifts? Jesus gave those gifts. These are the gifts, it says, that Christ gave the church. And so Jesus is the source of those gifts. Then in Romans chapter 12, it says, In his grace, God has given us these different gifts. And it lists them in the verses thereafter. So the source of these gifts is God. They're commonly referred to as the grace gifts, sometimes the natural gifts. And, and it says that God gave them in his grace. That's why they're called grace gifts. Now, what we've done in the church is we've divided them up. We've built boxes. We analyzed them. We separated them. Oh, these are the spiritual gifts. Oh, no, but these are the natural gifts. Oh, these are the gifts of the Spirit. But these are the gifts of Jesus. Let, listen, let's revisit a basic tenet of the Christian faith. All right? We believe in one God, right? Manifested in three persons. Who are those three persons? God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what do we believe about those three? We believe that those three are one. So what does that mean? It means they're all the same. They're all the same. You'll never see them hearing. You'll never see them saying or doing anything different from each other. They are the same. So if there are gifts that come from the Spirit, and there are gifts that come from Jesus, and there are gifts that come from the Father, it doesn't mean they're different it means all of them have the same source because those three are one. They all come from God. So all the gifts are gifts of God. All right? Now, two ways I want to show that to you, prove it to you if you need some proof. First of all, here's the argument. But what about the difference in spiritual gifts and natural gifts? Some, some gifts, people say, are operated in the power of the Spirit, and some gifts you're just kind of naturally hardwired for, right? You've heard people say that. Well, let me just ask you a real quick question. If you're hardwired for some things, who's your electrician? Doesn't Psalm 139 say that we are formed in our mother's womb by his hand and by his will? Don't we believe that God is the creator and the sustainer of all human life? So if we've been given some particular ability from birth, who gave us that ability? God did, right? So every gift, whether it's considered natural or spiritual or grace, every gift has the same source, and that source is God himself. And here's the second verse, uh, the, second, the second proof, the second reason that I want to show you. And, and you've, all, you've all heard this verse. We never thought about it in the context of gift. But for, in, James, in 1 James, only James, chapter 1, verse 17 in the NIV, it says this, Every good and perfect what gift is from where? Above. Every one of them is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who doesn't change like shifting shadows. Are the gifts of the Spirit good? Are the gifts of Jesus good? Are the gifts of the Father good? 
Yes. And are they, and I know sometimes people mess them up, but are the gifts perfect? Yes. So if they're good and they're perfect, what's the conclusion that we have to draw? They all came from God. They all came from God. All the gifts have the same source. So not only do they have the same source, but we need to also look at the goal of the gifts. The goal. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 12. The human body has many parts, but many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Verse 18. Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. He's got a reason. He's got a purpose. Look at verse 25. For this makes for, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. Listen, go back and read the entire passage. And when you do, it's even clearer. The goal of what we call the gifts of the Spirit is to edify or to build up and support the whole body of Christ. Do you agree? That's the goal. That's what they're to be used for. It's made even clearer in chapter 14 when it talks about the the regulation and the use of the gifts of, of prophecy and tongues with interpretation. The goal is always about building up the body of Christ. Now let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Look at those gifts. Verse 11 and 12, let's read it again. These are the gifts Christ gave. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Verse 12, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and what? Build up the church, the body of Christ. What are, what are those five-fold ministry gifts supposed to do? Build up the body of Christ by equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. The goal is to edify or to build up the body. Let's go back to Romans chapter 12. Look at those grace gifts. Right before the verses we just read, it said, Just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. We belong to each other. In his grace, God's given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And then it, it just goes into, so let's, let's read this. So it, if God's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God's given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. What's the goal? What's the focus of all of those gifts? The body of Christ. It's to build them up. So you see from Scripture, the source of all the gifts is the same. And now we see the goal of all the gifts is the same. They came from the same place. They have the same goal. Let's look at one last area, and then we're going to spend some time on some application. So let's look at the motive of the gifts. Here's the motive. Why? Why are people using the gifts? Why should you... Use the gift that God gave you. Why should you use them? And here's the answer. Because you love people. You use the gifts, all the gifts, any of your gifts, because you love people. That's the motive. As a matter of fact, everything in the life of a believer should be motivated from love. Love God, love people. Isn't that the essence of Christianity that Jesus gave us? Seek justice, love mercy, walk humbly. Why? Because we love people. We love people. We love God. We love others. Everything that God does and says 
and has ever done and said is motivated from love. So it makes sense if we're trying to be children of God, then, and then we're going to operate the gifts that he gives us from a motive of love. The goal is to build up the body. The motive is because you love each other. Let me show it to you again real quickly. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16. This is after this conversation of the fivefold ministry. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So the whole body is healthy and growing and what? Full of love. The gifts of Jesus are, are to make your body, the body of Christ healthy so that it can reproduce the love of God. Love is the motive. Romans 12 Verses 9 and 10, let's look at that again. This is right after Paul lists the grace gifts. He says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Paul's meddling in that day. Don't just act like you love people, you have to really love people. Hate what's wrong, hold to what's good, and then he hits it again. Verse 10, love each other with genuine affection. You cannot fake it till you make it, you have to love others. And take delight in honoring each other. After listing those gifts of grace, which are clearly to be used in love for others because they're always others-focused, Paul said you have to really, seriously love each other. Love has to be the motive. You say, well, listen, nobody's going to know whether I'm doing it because I love them or not. You might be right. You might be able to fool people. You cannot fool God. He always knows, and he's as concerned about the motive as he is about the action. So don't think just because you do it and fool anybody else that God is suddenly pleased with what you do. He wants you to do the right thing for the right reason. All right? Now, after the gifts of the Spirit are listed in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul spends an entire chapter, chapter 13, telling us that all of those powerful gifts of the Spirit are absolutely useless if our motive is not love. He says when we operate those gifts, love has to be patient, we have to be kind, we, have to be, we can't be envious, we can't be proud, we can't be boastful. All of the concepts of love that we talk about at weddings and gives us all little goosebumps, that's not really about it's not really about weddings. It's not really about loving your spouse. It's the context is spiritual gifts. Love is the motive for everything. So John, what's the point? Why are we talking about this? Why did you show us all this scripture? Because we fret and worry and study and break down whether they're gifts of the Spirit or gifts of Jesus or gifts of grace, whether they're spiritual, whether they're natural. The point is, if they have the same source, which is God, and they have the same goal, which is to build up the church, and they have the same motive, which is love, then let's quit worrying about the category and just get busy. If you found the source and the goal and the motive, guess what you found? Purpose. You found purpose. The purpose of the giftings. So let's stop learning about them and start living them. How about that? Let's start doing what we learned about. And us Pentecostals are the world's worst about this. Right? Was it, oh, well, that was a word of knowledge. No, it was a prophetic word. No, that was just exhortation. I got a word for you. Who cares? Who really cares? What difference does it make? Is, is one of them more true than the other? Is one of them more powerful? Is one of them more timely than the other? If the source is in heaven 
and the motive is to build people up, then why in the world would we want to analyze the thing to death? I think some people are just more concerned about how super spiritual they sound than they are about just doing what God told them to do in the first place. None of that really matters. Because I promise you, when God sends you the right word at the right time, through, you don't care who it comes from, you don't care what the title is, you don't care what the definition is, the title, the function, the definition, all that's just function stuff. When it comes to you in your time of need, you're not worried about what you call it or what the function is, you just know it fulfilled the purpose of God in your life at that time. And you don't care. You don't care. I, have, I had two people who contacted me this week, people that I know, people that I love, people that I trust, but not people that I talk to on a regular basis. Two different people told me the same thing on the same day, people that I don't normally talk to. I took it as a message from God for me. You say, John, did they discern your spirit? Did they get a word of knowledge? Did, they, did God use a natural gift or their intelligence or their empathy or their experience? Listen to me carefully as I explain my response. I don't care. I don't care. I, here's what I know. It was motivated by love. It built me up and edified me in my walk with the Lord. The source was the Lord, so I'm receiving it. I'm not studying it. Right? It's to provide direction, not for me to provide dissection. I don't care. Okay? You can do the autopsy later. I just need it filled the purpose in my life. I'm listening to it and I'm walking it out. End of story. Remember when I told you that function, function is uh, about religion, but purpose is about relationship? Well, that applies to the operation of the gifts as well. In the Gospel of John, chapter 9, Jesus it has the account. The whole chapter is the account of Jesus healing this one dude. He healed a blind man. And his friends and neighbors freaked out, obviously, um, when Bob was blind this morning and now he's not blind. You kind of have a few questions. So they're, they're kind of freaking out. And they take him to the Pharisees who are supposed to be the religious experts of the day. And they, and they tell him what happened. And then the Pharisees lose their mind. They have to know every detail, the what, the how, the when, the, all of where, all of that. They wanted every detail. They questioned him twice. The grown man, they brought his parents in. They had all kinds of stuff. And, and they, they were hung up on the fact that it was Jesus. They just couldn't believe it was Jesus because they were determined that Jesus was a sinner because he didn't do things the way they wanted him to do them. And so they, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. They, they came to him the second time. They're asking him, well, how, how could he do this? He's a sinner. I love this. This is a real mic drop moment in the Bible. Verse 25, this, blind, this formerly blind man said, listen, I don't know whether he's a sinner. I do know this. I was blind. <laughs> now I can see. Right? Don't you love that? He's, he's like, listen, y'all can argue about it the rest of the day. I don't care. I just know I was blind when I woke up, but when I lay down tonight, I'm going to have my sight. So you call it what you want to call it. I'm healed. Right? I don't care. Y'all study it. I'm just going to go look at stuff. Right? The purpose of the gift of healing was fulfilled. Jesus wanted to build that man up, encourage him, show him that he loved him, and that was fulfilled. So you can, you can argue about what you want to call it the rest of your life. He still can see, right? 
Now, I'm not saying we just go whole hog and just toss caution to the wind and, and, and just go all in on practicality and throw away discernment and throw away theology. Uh, we can't just say, well, it worked, so it must be God. Now, that's, not what I'm, that's not what I'm saying. But neither can we get so hung up contemplating our spiritual navels that we miss what God's doing right in front of us. Function and purpose have to be aligned if you're going to be in relationship with God. But the Pharisees were so blinded, they were so blinded they couldn't see. They were so hung up on the what and on the how, they completely missed the why and completely refused to know the who. The Pharisees did not care that this man was healed. Didn't care. They didn't care that he used to be blind and now he can't. Didn't matter to them. They didn't care that Jesus was preaching the truth. They didn't care he was fulfilling scriptures and prophecies and spiritual purpose. They only cared that Jesus was not one of them. That's all they cared about. They only cared that he wasn't doing it the way they expected him to do it. They only cared about the function because religion maintains power through function. Purpose is harder to quantify. Purpose is harder to put on a flow chart. Purpose is harder to control. And religious people refuse to worship a God they can't control. We're going to talk more about this in another message, but I just want to chase this rabbit for just a second. All right? Just one example. Don't be impressed by people doing religious stuff. You can do religious stuff all day long and not have a shred of a relationship with Jesus. All right? Don't be impressed. Just because, for example, somebody prays passionately. Uh, listen, I hate, I hate praying in public. That sounds so stupid for a pastor. But I hate praying in public. I've heard people all my life, and they can just pray the paint off the walls. And I get so intimidated by that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, now I lay me down to sleep. That's, like, that's what I feel like I, I sound like when I pray. And these people are praying the heavens down. It, 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 you know, it's just, it's crazy. You get intimidated by the way people pray. But just because they pray passionately doesn't mean they have a relationship with God. It doesn't even mean they're saved. If you want to know about somebody's relationship, don't listen to how they pray. Listen to what they pray. And why they pray it. So if they're praying God's kingdom come, if they're praying kingdom-minded prayers, if they're submitting their will to God's will, if they're concerned about other people and it's not a laundry list of things they want God to take care of for them, that's likely a person that has a real relationship with Jesus. Religious people pray passionately too, but they're trying to use their passion and sometimes even scripture to leverage God into doing what they want him to do. For them, prayer is about control. They're trying to use the function of prayer to get the outcome that they want. The true purpose of prayer is, is bringing God's will and God's kingdom into our lives and into the earth. There's a difference in purpose and function. They're powerful when they work together, but they're not the same thing. The Pharisees did nothing motivated by love. Nothing. They didn't love anybody but themselves. They never did anything because they wanted to build somebody up. They only wanted to tear people down. They did nothing that was sourced in heaven because they lost their connection to heaven a long time ago. 
How did they lose? How did the Pharisees who knew the word, who went to church, who looked holy, who did righteous looking things, how did they lose their connection with heaven? Please listen to this. They traded it away for political power and social influence. And if there's ever been a message the American church needs in 2020, we don't need to trade our connection to heaven for political influence or spiritual power because it's not even on the same playing field. I don't know if this is the right time or the right way to say it, but I'm just going to say it. This election is not for the heart and soul of America. Stop falling into the political propaganda. Our job as the church is the heart and soul of America. And if we've given that authority to any party, any political party, we're already in trouble. So stop making a religion out of your politics. Religion shouldn't be a part of politics. Religion shouldn't be a part of your relationship with God. And if we think that we're going to vote somebody who's going to save the hearts and souls of America, we are deceived and we're worshiping an idol. Religion is about control and it's always aligned with politics. And we sell our souls over politics. And if we get better at politics... Who's going to be the church? Who's really going to preach the gospel to the hearts and souls of America? That's the problem. The Pharisees lost their influence with heaven because they were too concerned about influence on earth. When your spiritual purpose gets lost, your spiritual functions no longer bring people to God. As a matter of fact, they do the opposite. Jesus was offended by the giving of the Pharisees who gave large amounts of money. He hated it. He was offended by their praying. He was offended by their worship. He was offended. He didn't like anything they did. Why? The function was offensive because the purpose was abandoned. That's why people look at the church and the good things we do and they criticize and they turn up their nose and, they, and it never draws people to us. It, draws, it drives people away from us. Why? Because our, we lost our purpose. We want to still do the functions, but without the purpose that's rooted and sourced in heaven. Listen, it doesn't matter what you do in the name of Jesus. If your purpose is wrong, you're going to drive people away from God. But here's the good news. When you have the right purpose, even if the execution is a little off, you have the right purpose. It's going to accomplish what God sent you to accomplish in the first place because his word never returns void and because his spirit empowers those who do the will of the Father. So don't get so hung up on how well you score on a test or how you measure up with somebody else in some certain category. Romans 12 said, whatever your gift is, do it with everything you've got. Do it with passion. Do it with humility. Stay on your face before God while you do it. Give the glory to him. Don't get so caught up in where you serve and what it looks like. That's the stuff of function. Don't worry about all that. Fulfill the purpose of God in your life. Love God. Love others. And go 
build up the body of Christ. You say, well, John, listen, is it okay to operate gifts in this church? If you're motivated by love for, for God and for others, if your source is in heaven, if your goal is to build up the body, then not only is it okay for you to operate the gifts, it's your responsibility to operate your gifts. Not just in this church, in your life, everywhere. There is no separation between secular and sacred. Your whole life has been surrendered to Jesus. So everywhere you go is an opportunity to serve. You say, well, John, sometimes I just know that God wants me to tell somebody he loves them. Well, that's, that's the gift of exhortation or the gift even of evangelism. Just go do it. Quit worrying about it. Just go do it. Just go tell him he loves them. Well, sometimes I look at a person and I just know what they're feeling. That's great. That's the discerning of that person's spirit. Just go minister to them. Go connect that person. Not to you. Connect them to him. And then get out of the way. Right? You, I, I see people, you say, John, I see people who are working for the Lord and I just want to go do whatever I can do to, to make things easier for them and to make them more successful. That's the gift of helps. Just go help. Go help. So all I can do is like sweep the floor. Then that's one less thing that other person has to do. Right? Just go do it. If, you're, if your gift is helping people, go help people. And don't worry about where it is or what it looks like. Just, just go help. If your gift is teaching, then teach. Go find some people to teach. Go drag them off and just sit them down. Feed them a hamburger. I'm going to teach you something. Or, or just keep the food coming or whatever. Yeah, go teach them. It, big people or little people in the church, in your house, in McDonald's, just go teach people. If, if your gift is giving, then give. If, if you're good at working with your hands, then tell Kirk Hopkins. And when stuff breaks, he'll call you and tell you to come fix it. So he don't have to fix every stinking thing. Right? Come, dude, everybody has a gift. You're like, John, I don't know. All I can do is make biscuits. Then make biscuits for Jesus. Make a big stinking pan of biscuits and go take them to somebody who needs a biscuit. And if you need help finding addresses, I'll give you my, I mean, somebody's address. <laughs> Depending on how good your biscuits are, right? So just whatever he's gifted you to do, do it because you love people and because you want to build them up, right? And he's not going to be mad at you. So many people are afraid, I'm going to do the, I'm going to do the wrong thing. You're going, you're going to do the wrong thing trying to love people, trying to build people up? If God needs to redirect you, he'll redirect you. Just make the biscuits. Just sweep the floor, right? If he wants to promote you, he'll promote you. Just start doing stuff. Don't study it. Just go do it. Almost everybody knows what they're good at. They just don't realize it's spiritual. Oh, it's not spiritual enough for biscuit. Listen, when you're hungry, biscuits are spiritual. So just, just make the biscuits. I should have named this message. Just make the biscuits, right? Whatever gift God has given to you, go do it for Jesus. Whether it's in the church, outside the church, it's all for his glory, right? Opening scripture said everybody's good at something. He gave a gift to everybody. So everybody ought to have something that we can do. And for the believer, it's not optional. We have to use everything that we've got for the kingdom of God, whatever it is. So 
do it in accordance with God's purpose. Love people. Build people up. Show them Christ. Don't worry about the title. Don't worry about the appointment. Don't worry about the assignment. Just go do what you're good at because you love God, because you love people, and because you just want to build them up. That's the purpose for every gift. Y'all stand with me. Y'all know, those of you have been around for a while, y'all know that um, I was raised in the church, born in the church, don't know nothing about the church. Um, and that's not always the good news because when you are raised in the church, sometimes you get a much bigger dose of religion than you do relationship. Okay? And so sometimes you have a lot of things you have to unlearn before you can actually get to the truth of God's word. And the older I get, and the more I'm able to reflect on the effects of religion in the area that we live, the less tolerance I have for religion. Listen, I'm just sick of it. If it's not rooted and grounded in this word, I don't want anything to do with it. And if it is in this word, and we're not doing it, I want to repent and get busy. Okay, so I, I'm, I, forgive me if I have uh, what appears to be angry tirades. I get sick of religion. I'm so desperate for people to have a real relationship with Jesus. So I appreciate your grace and your patience. But when you see the effects that religion's had on people's lives, when you see the bondage, if you'll just ask God to open your eyes and when you really look at people and see the bondage that people walk around in because of religion, because of function, because they don't understand their purpose and they don't have relationship, it, it just, it'll make you sick. So just pray that God reveals religion in your life and then focus on the, on the relationship with Him and just watch your life change. That's all I can say. Just watch your life change and hold on for the ride. So listen, we're going to pray. If you'd like to come to this altar, you can come to this altar. Nobody's going to mess with you. Nobody's going to get around you. If you want to pray by yourself, you can. If you do want somebody to pray, just let us know. We'll be happy to pray with you. But you come while I'm going to, while I pray. Bree's going to sing a verse and a chorus of a song. We'll be dismissed together in just a minute. But for right now, will you please not run past the purpose of this moment? Listen to what the Spirit wants to say to you right now. Father, we just bless your name. And I thank you for your goodness. And I thank you for your grace. And I thank you that you love each of us enough to give us a gift. And I pray, God, that we, that we use it for your honor and your glory. Every gift, every resource, every connection, everything that we have, everything that we are, I pray that we leverage it for your honor, for your glory, for your kingdom. God, would you strip away religion off of us? Would you reveal it, help us to repent of it, to, to denounce it, and to walk away from it, and walk in, in the freedom that relationship brings? God, would you, would you just help us, Lord, 
to walk out our calling, the true purpose of our calling. Lord, would you send forth laborers? The harvest is plenteous, and we're, we've got too many laborers that are studying how to harvest instead of just going and doing it. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Send us. Send us. Send me. Send me. And I pray that there's a church full of people in this house or all around that's watching it, however they're watching it, who are praying that same prayer right now. God, send me. I want a relationship with you, and then I want you to just send me wherever you want me to go. Use me however you want to use me. What I have is yours. What I, who I am is yours. And I pray that you would use me for your kingdom, for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.